Good day, folks. Pastor Jim Thomas from the Village Chapel here in Nashville, Tennessee, with your daily devotion. And I'm excited to read once again from Abide in Christ, the 19th century classic by uh, Andrew Murray. I have read a little bit from this before, and uh, this is 31 Days of Readings, and I just kind of take the next one in line uh, sporadically as I come back around uh, to this book over and over again. I do really, really love it. This is called Trusting Him to Keep You Secure. And uh, Murray begins with a, uh, well, well, he's camped out a lot in, in John chapter 15 and the whole idea of abiding in, in Christ is found there. Certainly uh, him being the vine, we're the branches. Trusting him to keep you secure He's uh, going to start this thought, this reading uh, today, off with Philippians 3.12, a little bit of it. Uh, I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. And uh, the Apostle Paul there writing to the church at Philippi, telling them, look, I haven't, I haven't achieved all there is to, to be achieved in the Christian life, but I belong to him. And that's the, that's the great news about it. And that's what keeps him going. So let's see what uh, Andrew Murray has to say here in trusting him to keep you secure. Many people freely acknowledge the sacred duty and blessed privilege of abiding in Christ, and yet they may shrink back from the question, is a life of unbroken fellowship with the Savior possible? Perhaps it is the sole domain of some special class of Christians who are given special opportunities to cultivate this grace. For the large majority of disciples, however, whose lives are so full with other occupations, is abiding in Christ a reasonable expectation? I think that's a reasonable question, don't you? Yeah. Maybe one that's crossed your mind before. The more some people hear of a life of abiding in Christ, the deeper their sense of its glory and blessedness. They would do anything, sacrifice anything to enter into the rest of Christ, but they are too weak, too unfaithful. They can never attain to it. Uh, these dear souls do not realize that it is precisely for the weak that abiding in Christ is meant. It is precisely to minister to their faithfulness that Christ invites them to abide in him. Let me say that last sentence again. It is precisely to minister to their faithfulness that Christ invites them to abide in him. Abiding in Christ is not the reward for our exceptional life of faith, nor is our great holiness and devotion a prerequisite. No, abiding in Christ is an answer to weakness and to faithlessness. We who are weak trust ourselves to be kept and cared for by the Almighty One. We who are unfaithful surrender ourselves to one who is altogether trustworthy and true. To abide in Christ is to consent to let him do all for us, in us, and through us. A work he does for us, the fruit of power of his redeeming love, rather than a work of our own that earns for us our salvation. He has committed himself to bless us with rest. Our part is simply to yield, to trust, and to wait. See, that starts to give so much more depth and, uh, and, and, and 
height and and sort of you know I don't know it just makes the whole idea of abiding in Christ a little more tangible to me when I start thinking of it that way he has committed himself to bless us with rest our part is simply to yield to trust and to wait and Murray goes on to say, it is this quiet expectation and confidence, trusting that he has in fact prepared a place for us, which is so sadly lacking among so many Christians. They don't make the effort to follow the command, abide in me all the way to its implicit promise. The keeper of Israel, who neither slumbers nor sleeps, offers himself with all his power and love as a living home for our souls. Here, the mighty influence of his grace will hold us close with more power than our own feebleness and faithlessness has to lead us astray. I know I've got to read that last sentence again for you. Here, abiding in Christ, here, the mighty influence of his grace will hold us close with more power than our own feebleness and faithlessness has to lead us astray. Underneath this lack is a misunderstanding of grace, that while conversion and pardon from sin are God's work, it is our work as an expression of gratitude to God to follow Jesus and live the Christian life. Even as many of us pray for God's help, we presume that success in the Christian life is up to us. Of course, we fail continually. And with each failure, our hope erodes and our growing despondency only increases our sense of helplessness. And then Murray goes on to say, no, wandering one. It was Jesus who drew you to himself when he commanded, come to me. It is likewise Jesus who keeps you in him when he commands, abide in me. Both the grace to come and the grace to abide Find their source in him. That'll set you free. <laughs> it was the command to come heard by you, meditated on by you, and ultimately accepted by you, which drew you to Christ with the cord of his love. In the same way, his command to abide is the cord by which he binds you to himself. So let the soul take time to listen to the voice of Jesus. In me, he says is where you belong, in my almighty arms. The one who says abide in me is the one who loves you. You can trust me. As the voice of Jesus permeates and pervades your soul, the response is natural, inevitable. Yes, Savior, in you I can abide. In you I will abide. The command abide in me is not found in the law of Moses. It does not demand of sinful people what they cannot perform. Abide in me comes not from the law, but from divine love, meaning that this command is in essence only a promise in a different shape. Think of Christ's commands in this way, and all feeling of burden and fear and despair gradually pass away until the first thought that comes to you as you hear of abiding in Jesus becomes one not of burden, but of bright and joyous hope. That's so good. 
It is for me. I know I will enjoy it. This is the difference. The law carries with it an inexorable do. The grace of God carries with it a blessing to believe. Christ will do it for you. What about the protest? Surely there is something for us to do. The response is counterintuitive. Our doing and working are themselves the fruit of Christ's work in us. It is when the soul becomes utterly passive, looking and resting on what Christ is doing and will do, that it, its energies are stirred. We work most effectually under grace because we know that he is at work in us. As we abide in Christ, we experience the mighty energies of love reaching out after us to have us and to hold us. And so our will is roused not to activity for him, but to abide in him. This is so wonderfully rich, so wonderfully freeing, especially if you've been brought up in a... uh, a legalistic stream of the church where you think it's all about your performance, your ability to follow the rules or balance out the moral scales. This will set you free right here. This connection between Christ's work and our work is beautifully expressed in the words of Paul. I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Again, Philippians 3.12. Because he knew that the mighty faithful one had made him one with himself. Paul did his utmost to abide in him. The faith, the experience, the full assurance that Christ Jesus has made me his own gave him the courage and the strength to press on to make it my own. Each new insight into union with Christ inspired him to settle for nothing less. Paul's words and their application to the Christian life can be understood by thinking of a father helping his child to climb a steep hill. The father goes first and then takes his child by the hand, pulling the child to the next plateau. He points to the next goal and then leaps up far beyond a child's capacity leap. But because he's helping from above, the child leaps with confidence nevertheless. It is the father's strength that secures the child and lifts the child up. And so the child presses on with confidence and courage. That's just exactly what the Apostle Paul is saying. Yeah. Such is the relationship between Christ and you, says Andrew Murray. First, fix your eyes on what Christ has saved you for. It is nothing less than a life of abiding, unbroken fellowship with himself. And he is lifting you up into it. All that you have already received, pardon from sin, peace, the Holy Spirit, grace, these are all purely preliminary. And all the future promises that come to mind, holiness, fruitfulness, glory, everlasting, these are simply the natural outcome of union with Christ, which is his highest objective for you. So fix your eye on abiding in Christ. Look for it until it comes into view. This is Christ's goal for you, that you abide in him. And then consider Paul's statement, I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. God's almighty power has taken hold of you. He offers to lift you up to where he would have you be. With your eyes fixed on Christ, gazing on the love that beams in his eyes, consider this. 
Can you not trust him now? He who sought and found and then brought you to himself to keep you in his presence. Consider God's power and ask why you should not be assured that he can keep you abiding in him. With the destination in view and with confidence that he is able to bring you into his presence and hold you there, what would keep you even today from taking the upward step rising to enter the blessed life of abiding in Christ. Begin at once. Jesus, because you ask me to, and by your help, even though the path looks daunting to me, I will press on. I will abide in you. Andrew Murray closes with these thoughts. My Beloved fellow believer, start right now. Go and take time alone with Jesus and say these words to him. It would be absurd and offensive to God for me to call you to abide in Christ merely as religious sentiment. This is God's truth we're talking about, and it must be acted on. Yield yourself today to the blessed Savior. Surrender to him today the thing he is asking of you. Give up yourself in order to abide in him. He will bring you to himself. He will keep you trusting and abiding in him. You can trust him. Doubt may arise in you or failure may tempt you to despair. When these things happen, just remember where Paul found his strength. Christ has made me his own. In that assurance, you have a fountain of strength. You can look up from wherever you find yourself in doubt, in failure, in despair, and find where Christ is calling you to yet again abide in him. You can gather confidence in that moment that he will continue the good work he has begun in you, that confidence will yield courage so that day after day you can say, as Paul said, I press on to make abiding in Christ my own because Christ has made me his own. Because you have taken hold of me, because you keep me in your care, I dare to abide in you, Lord Jesus. Amen? Amen. Hope you have a great day. Daily Devotions with Pastor Jim Thomas is a resource of the Village Chapel in Nashville, Tennessee. If you find this daily devotional beneficial, leave a review and share it with friends and family. For more resources or to support our ministry, visit our website, thevillagechapel.com. Artwork for this podcast by Kim Thomas. Music by Phil Kagey.